You are listening to KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Thursday, March 24th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Right after the BBC headlines, the Cal State University system drops the SAT and ACT standardized tests as requirements for admission. Striking teachers in Sacramento are off the job for a second day. The Nevada County Planning Commission hears from the public about the Idaho-Maryland mine. And if you have complaints about your internet service, or if you don't even have internet, the county is ready to hear about that too. We end with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez reporting today from Fresno. The Cal State University system is officially dropping the SAT and ACT standardized tests from its admissions process. The Board of Trustees unanimously approved the change this week. CSU trustee Yamilet Rodriguez shared her personal story before the vote. Because of the enrollment barriers that I faced and lack of tools offered to me as a student, I wasn't equipped to have entry into the CSU. Many have argued that the SAT and ACT tests put minority and low-income students at a disadvantage, arguing that the questions show bias towards more privileged students. The University of California system decided to drop the exams from its admissions process last year. In Sacramento, classes are canceled again today after thousands of teachers and staff at the Sacramento City Unified School District walked off the job in a strike over pay and staffing shortages. As we hear from CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon, they rallied on the first day of the strike yesterday. Teachers, staff, and their allies gathered at the school district headquarters to call for higher wages to address what they describe as a staffing crisis. Ingrid Hutchins teaches second grade at Capital City School, which does the district's online independent study program and currently has a wait list of nearly 600 students. She says while other districts are giving out raises and signing bonuses, Sac City is struggling to retain teachers. I mean, it's simple economics. The district knows this, um, but they're not, they're just not stepping up to the plate to do what they need to do to save our district. Hutchins says it's unfair that District Superintendent Jorge Aguilar took a $34,000 raise in 2020, but teachers haven't had a cost of living adjustment since 2018 due to budget deficits. Aguilar has argued Sac City teachers have among the most competitive pay and benefits in the region. For the California Report, I'm Nicole Nixon in Sacramento. Let's turn to California agriculture. I'm in the Central Valley this week, and farmers here face a growing number of challenges. International tensions and dueling trade embargoes between the U.S. and Russia have sent fertilizer and farm fuel costs soaring. Central Valley growers are still finding it difficult to export their crops because of global supply chain problems. And then there's California's drought, which has forced state and federal authorities to slash water allotments to the ag industry. To better understand what farmers are facing, I'm met up yesterday with Ryan Jacobson, CEO of the Fresno County Farm Bureau. I started by asking Jacobson about the drought. It is extraordinarily the most serious issue we're facing. Uh, We are now in the third year of this drought, and right now I can't tell you if this is year three of this drought or is it year three of um, a 10-year drought. But right now, because of the circumstances we're in as far as drought, our farmers are facing very dire consequences and decisions on what they're going to do, not just for this year, but now looking more longer term as well uh, because of where we find ourselves. 
So what are some of the hard choices a lot of the farmers and ag interests you represent are looking at now? So these farmers now have back-to-back uh, 0% allocation years from the uh, federal water allocations. And so what this means is that they're not getting any surface water supply. They're, they've been cut back all the way. Uh, they're still paying for this water, but it's been cut back to zero. And so those farmers, the first decision they got to make is where can they cut? And they're going to cut their crops that are the annual crops, the garlic, the onions, the processing tomatoes. These are the crops that go first because they're going to try to preserve whatever water they do have available, either through groundwater or other trades. They're going to save for their permanent crops because those are multi-year investments. And what you're talking about is just letting a lot of land go fallow. Yeah, here in Fresno County this year, the expectation is between two to 250,000 acres going fallow. Now, this is uh, historically, this would be a temporary uh, deal where we would see it, you know, hopefully come back during the times in which it would get wetter. But that's not necessarily the case now. We're realistically looking at some of these lands are going to be as close to permanently re, uh, retired as um, possible just because the fact that it's unlikely that we're going to see better water allocations going forward than what we've seen uh, in comparison to a historical perspective. Let's talk about another issue. I know that um, agriculture was really hit hard by the supply chain problems late last year, the beginning of this year. Uh, you weren't able to get a lot of your exports out, particularly through ports in the Bay Area. Is that still the case? Are you still living with that? We are absolutely still living with that. There was a shortage of containers last year, just trying to get product out. Now we're having the ships you know, turn around and go back to those other countries to get more goods to bring to America, and they don't care about... Uh, it's more beneficial for them to bring the goods into America versus out of America. So they're just turning around and going back empty and not taking our goods because it's they don't want to cost themselves the time over here. Um, there's just a whole host of issues that are going on that are making the uh, ag industry very complex this year. I think right now folks are just doing the best they can to plan for this 2022 season. And uh, I think like a lot of Americans, hoping 2023 turns out to be a better year than we've uh, seen so far from 2022. Ryan Jacobson, CEO of the Fresno County Farm Bureau. Thank you so much for joining us on the California Report. Thank you for having me. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system. On the web at chcf.org slash health equity. Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. As many as half of the people serving life in prison without the possibility of parole in California were convicted under a law critics say perpetuates gender and racial disparities. That's according to a national report out this week by advocacy organizations calling for an end to the practice. KQED's Alex Emsley has more. The felony murder rule allows prosecutors to charge accomplices with murder, even if they didn't directly commit the killing or intend to kill anyone. The report applauds recent changes in California law that narrowed who can be convicted. In terms of those reforms, California is a model for the country. Lead author Nazgul Ganoush is a senior researcher with the D.C.-based Sentencing Project. But in terms of continuing to have a mandatory life without parole sentence that applies to certain felony murder convictions, California is among the worst in the country. The vast majority of women serving life for felony murder in California were the victims of domestic violence, according to the report. 
and it found prosecutors are more likely to seek these life sentences for people of color. For The California Report, I'm Alex Hemsley. And that is The California Report for Thursday, March 24th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. In regional news, the Nevada County Planning Commission met today for a special public hearing to accept comments on the draft environmental impact report on the proposed reopening of the Idaho-Maryland mine by Rise Gold Corporation. Unlike some recent public hearings, this one was largely civil and mostly free of verbal fireworks. A couple of the commenters even delivered their opinions in song form. The hearing began at 9.30 a.m., and after a parade of presenters had stepped up to the mic, adjourned at about 2.30 p.m. The overwhelming majority of speakers expressed opposition to the mine project or stated their opinion that the draft of the environmental impact report was insufficient. County Senior Planner Matt Kelly tells KVMR what comes next. The next steps is that uh, we're still in the the public comment period um, for the draft EIR, so we are receiving public comments on the draft EIR, on the adequacy of the draft EIR up until uh, April fourth at five p.m. The comment period closes. We then take all the comments received and they're responded to by the EIR consultant in the what's called a final EIR, and then that that will include a response to all comments received. Any updates to the draft EIR that need to be done uh, would be done through the final EIR. Uh, the, the final EIR would would potentially include an errata that includes any updates to the uh, individual chapters of the of the EIR, any updates to technical studies uh, would be included in that as well. And then from there, uh, we then need to complete the findings of fact and statement of overriding considerations, and then staff reports, uh, potential conditions of approval, and all the things that are needed to then bring the project to uh, an entitlement hearing for the Planning Commission uh, with recommendations to the Board of Supervisors who would have the final decision and consideration on the project. There's the potential for multiple public hearings, both with the Planning Commission and the Board of Supervisors. It's not known at this point when those hearings will be um, because it will depend on how long it takes to respond to the numerous comments that have been received and any updating of the information part of the final EIR. Um, But then they'll be properly noticed as required by Nevada County Land Use and Development Code. As Kelly said, the public comment period on the draft EIR ends at 5 p.m. Monday. A milestone of sorts reported today by Nevada County Public Health. According to the county's daily report, there currently are no hospitalizations in our county for COVID-19. The county confirmed six new COVID cases today, with 19 currently active. A reminder from Nevada County Office of Emergency Services, the free Green Waste Drop-Off event continues this weekend, starting tomorrow. On Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, residents can drop off green waste from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at 12625 Brunswick Road. Enter at Millsite and East Bennett. Turning to regional weather, it will continue to be unseasonably warm and precipitation-free through Saturday. A slight chance of showers is in the forecast for Sunday and Monday, with lower daytime temperatures. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley, partly cloudy with a low around 51. Friday, sunny with a high in the mid-70s. Friday night, partly cloudy with a low in the low 50s. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe tonight, mostly cloudy with a low around 37. 
Friday, mostly sunny with a high near 68. Friday night, partly cloudy with lows in the mid-30s. In Sacramento and Woodland this evening, partly cloudy with a low around 50. On Friday, mostly sunny with a high near 80, cooling down to 50 Friday night. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Many people in Nevada County can testify that fast, reliable internet in rural areas can be something of a pipe dream. In a bid for broadband grant money, the county is asking the community for a reality check about the state of our internet service. The county Steve Monahan tells Felton Pruitt that tens of millions of dollars are at stake with the Need for Speed survey. We're talking with Steve Monahan. He's Nevada County's Chief Information Officer and they're releasing the Need for Speed Broadband Survey. Why don't you tell us about it, Steve? Great. So the survey will help us identify areas in the county where citizens have no service or below the standard service, and this is really important. So the first point is the governor allocated a billion dollars to rural broadband last year. So we're expecting about $70 million of that to go into the California Advanced Services Fund just for Nevada County. So that'll go to projects to bring broadband to our rural residents. And the way they determine the eligibility for areas in that grant program are through the state and federal broadband maps. And those maps are pretty inaccurate. They, uh, they're based on self-reporting from providers. So if you look at the maps for our county on Western County, most of the county looks like we're being served at the five uh, or 25 megabits down, five megabits per second up standard. So what happens with that is if uh, one of our local broadband providers applies for a grant, they could be denied servicing a a neighborhood because it shows on the map that another provider is stating they service it. And we know from all the feedback that we get from our community that it is not a blanket coverage of service. You know, we have big pine trees and cedar trees and valleys and impressions and ravines and hills and mountains that, that block the ability for providers to service every home in an area. So It's really important that we get this data. What it'll help us do is counter those maps that they have at the state level and prove that we do have significant areas and neighborhoods that should uh, be eligible for this money to come in and do projects. So how does a person get a survey? They just go on to our website at mynevadacounty.com, and there should be a link right on the front page there or they can go to mynevadacounty.com forward slash broadband and uh, click on the link for the survey. Now, of course, there's a problem there in that if you don't have internet, you can't go online to fill out the survey. I know you have another option. Yeah, we do. You can email broadband at co.nevada.ca.us. You can call 211 and they'll give you the information on how to get to the survey as well. And then the broadband number is uh, 530-562-4992. Correct. 
And last, you know, they can come into town to any place that has Wi-Fi or one of our library locations and use the library computer to fill it out. And it's those folks that don't have broadband that we really need them to take that extra step and, and let us know. What's the uh, deadline for getting all these surveys in? Well, our main deadline is we believe that the grant program is going to start opening up uh, later this summer for applications. So we want to make sure we have good data for that. So, you know, the, the call, call to action is, you know, as many people as possible in the next few weeks would be great, but we're going to leave that open for a few months. And then when will these results be made public? So we're putting together a public map now that won't have any of the data, your name, your address, all of that will be held private. But we'll put the the dots on the map as we get these results, and we'll have that on our website. What else do you want folks to know about the Need for Speed broadband survey? Just that, you know, this is a unique opportunity. There's also uh, federal money from the Infrastructure Act coming down that local communities and local broadband providers can apply for. And that's the same challenge, too. They have federal version of these broadband maps, and the federal versions show that most of our community is covered. So we need this data. It's a unique time to really get proactive and talk to providers about the need and the gaps in service in your neighborhoods and let us know so we can work with those providers because there's a lot of funding coming down and we want to make sure that we get every dollar allocated to Nevada County ends up going to a project to connect homes and businesses. We've been talking with Steve Monahan. He's Nevada County's Chief Information Officer. Steve, why don't you give folks the information on how they can fill out the survey one more time? Sure. Just go out to mynevadacounty.com and you'll see on our front page there should be a link for our news article on the survey. Take our survey. You can also go to mynevadacounty.com forward slash broadband and there will be a link on that page or email us at broadband at co.ca.us and let us know and take the survey. Well, thank you very much for all the information, Steve, and good luck with the survey. We all could use better internet service. Thank you. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet. A person could just throw out the three lemons that are beginning to look a little wizened in their blue bowl on the counter. By throw out, I mean compost. But Antoinette's daughter would have a hard time doing so, not to mention Johnny's granddaughter. You don't just fling off the values of your ancestors like a purple wig after Mardi Gras. Which is why I found myself last Sunday looking a little rattled as smoke curled up from the closed oven door. The lemons needing to be used led me to recall an organic pie crust taking up too much room in the freezer and a recipe I wanted to try involving very little work. You have to de-seed the lemons, but after that they get blended entire with eggs, sugar, butter, and vanilla to make an Arizona sunshine lemon pie. The name was irresistible, and then the lack of zesting. My knuckles and I hate zesting. As usual, good ideas and good deeds, like not wasting three stupid lemons added to evading hard work, a.k.a. zesting, led to comeuppance, 
as both Antoinette and Johnny would have told me. I am neither a Martha Stewart nor Marie Kondo type of person. My housekeeping involves mostly tidy surfaces, but Lord only knows what's going on behind closed doors, including the oven door, whence was comething more smoke. It was almost a warm day, so the front and back doors were already open. When I cracked the oven, some convenient breezes blew all the smoke outside. I turned the appliance off. There was something unrecognizable smoldering in there, so I walked out to the deck with a glass of water to admire my blossoming crabapple for a while and calm down. The other angle on this event besides avoiding work involves God, if you believe in God, perhaps suggesting I could eat less sugar. We will leave that angle alone. Punitive storytelling doesn't help anyone. A few hours later, a friend told me I could learn to clean ovens on YouTube, so I watched some videos. Baking soda, vinegar, a rag. It didn't sound too hard, and it wasn't, though I had to leave everything in there overnight. More work and mess than zesting lemons, of course, but you knew that. I think the smoking culprit was some butter spilled from the edge of a cheese and onion pie I'd made the week before. I've lived in this house with this $300 Sears oven for 22 years and never cleaned it before. If that appalls you, keep in mind that it had never smoked before, so didn't really require cleaning. I bake about five times a year. Antoinette and Johnny, if they were alive, would laugh very hard at this story and roll their eyes at my lack of expertise, a grown woman not knowing how to clean her own oven being completely ridiculous. I don't love being the butt of a joke, who does? But I'd be happy to put up with all kinds of ridicule just to see them one more time, standing around in my kitchen with their aprons on, a wooden spoon in my grandmother's hand, and a dish towel thrown over my mother's left shoulder. And the pie, eventually, was delicious. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast. Coming up next at 6.30, it's an all-new edition of The Climate Report. Your host, Martin Webb, traverses the globe to bring you the latest news about climate change, including a local climate summit and the latest on PG&E rate hikes. At 7 p.m., it's Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Then, KVMR returns to the eclectic music you expect, Jazz Workshop at 8 with Nora Nussbaum, followed at 10 by Jive AF with your host, Step D. Luna. KVMR Community Radio gets support from Harmony Books of Nevada City, locally owned for over 25 years, next to the Chamber of Commerce at 130 Main Street, open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 5.30, Sundays 11 to 4.00. 
Harmony Books carries thousands of books, including local authors. And Gold Country Workers' Comp Center. Kyle Adamson and Kim LaValle offer 50 years of legal experience in workers' compensation, disability, social security, and more. Consultations available to discuss issue resolution. Information at goldcountryworkerscomp.com. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Join us Friday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News. 